It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Cold as a razor blade, as tight as a tourniquet, like the skin on a dying man. I don't want a piece of the world. I want the whole world. I make my own rules. Because it's much easier that way. Trust me. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we are back for another episode of The Snake Pit. And of course, I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, Jake the Snake Roberts, but we've also got a very special guest joining us today. We are thrilled to welcome the man with hands of stone, the legendary Ronnie Garvin. Ronnie, thank you so much for being here, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. (laughs) It's a pleasure, man. I was looking forward to it. Man. So have I. Yep. Jake and I could not be more thrilled to have you in here. And, uh, you know, really what we're doing here today is celebrating a huge anniversary. Uh, As we're recording this, yesterday was 40 years ago that you two met in the Omni for a huge clash over the the TV title, which Jake would come out on top of, but that wouldn't spell the end of the rivalry. So, uh, yeah, we're just we could not be more thrilled to have you on such a huge occasion. I'll tell you this about the match. If it had been a street fight, I'd give up five minutes into it. (laughs) (laughs) But I kept telling myself, it's it's supposed to be phony. (laughs) Well, that was a match that I I tapped three times and nobody stopped the match. (laughs) That was about five minutes into the match. (laughs) Yeah. We had some great matches, you know, and – Oh, it was just great yeah. chemistry between us. Yeah, we, you know, we never, yeah. we never, we never, we just played it by the ear. Yeah, we know. never talked about the match before or, or during. We nope. just went out there and did it, and it yeah. was so much fun for me. I mean, I had a blast yeah. between oh, cry, between crying, you know, and. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you had a real unique style, you know, and it was good, you know. 
It was a pleasure. It, it was just, you know, I tell people, it was, it was like a dancer. If you dance with a bad dancer, you're going to have a bad dance. And if you dance yeah. with a great dancer, you know, you're going to have a great match. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Because we just went out there and just went for it and went around and around and hell, you know, 15 minutes was nothing. You know, that's a TV title. You know, it's a shame they don't use that today. They can certainly use it. They got they they got enough other stuff that they're doing, but TV title can be a lot of fun, especially with that 15-minute time limit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they I don't agree. utilize that. Yeah. Today, I don't know what they do. I don't watch. <laughs> Jake was actually just back on TV with AEW, and he's going to be going back here uh, as we're recording. He's He's got a flight coming up here in a couple of days to go out to California and, and uh, for a huge match. Actually, uh, Sting is participating in the match, who I know you are both uh, very familiar with. Uh, so yeah, Jake is Jake is still right in the thick of the action. But you know, here in 1983, you guys are meeting up right after Ronnie. You would win the the TV title from the Iron Sheik just a few months before your program with Jake. Um, Ronnie, I've got to ask because everybody seems to have a good Sheik story. Uh, what were your experiences like around Sheiky Baby? <laughs> he was a character. <laughs> well, you know, you're a pretty tough guy, you know. But he had his own ways. <laughs> I work with him a lot in Puerto Rico. Ah. Well, uh, we know that he was he was tough as nails, and so were you. And actually, that kind of became the style that you know it started to become associated with you. Um, and here, Jake would arrive in Georgia in the fall of 1983, and he is gunning for that TV title shortly after arriving. Jake, would that have been the first time that you had met Ronnie? Yeah. No, gosh, no. I met Ronnie years ago. I refereed some of his matches yeah. in uh, Louisiana. And um, believe me, it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Just being a ref scared you. Yeah, it did, man. I didn't, want, I didn't want to piss him off. I wanted to kill me. <laughs> I remember a fan one time. Ronnie would bring his towel down around his neck. And he'd hang it in the corner. So he did. And some fan ran up there and reached and grabbed it and blew his nose on it and then acted like he's wiping his ass with it and threw it down. And I told Ronnie what had happened. He jumped out of the ring and ran down the aisle and forearmed the guy in the back. And that guy went flying, man. He went flying. <laughs> So you weren't just snug in the ring. You were snug uh, outside the ring, too, you had to be, huh? More so outside than inside, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad name to have, a rugged. You know, everybody took advantage of me. <laughs> yeah, right. It sounds like you held your own. And uh, Ronnie, as you and I were getting set up, actually, you told me a, a brief story about actually working with Jake's father, um, yeah. long before you worked with Jake. Is that true? Oh, he, he was, I love to work with him. I think I worked with him not many times, maybe three or four. And uh, there's a story. I think it was the first time or the second time I, I worked with him. I realized that if I punched him under the chin, I was at the end of my head, but I, I didn't barely touch him. He was so tall. What was it, six, <laughs> seven, six, six? Uh, he was, six, he six was so tall that I, I didn't have to 
I just went, boom. okay, well, I just reached right under the chin, but I never had to, to stop. And I hit the ropes and I hit them. I need stagger. He <laughs> staggered. And I hit the rope about two or three times. And when he went down, this Mark came in the ring to help him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's weird. He was in Louisiana somewhere. And I said, man, I can't believe it. You know, I'm in the ring with a guy that's 6'8", and, you know, big old guy. <laughs> this guy's coming in to help him. <laughs> but, he's old. I mean, he went down, man. It was, jeez. Oh, oh, it was so simple, you know. We didn't have to diving into the crowd and all that stuff. We didn't have to do any of that. No. <laughs> now, as you guys got working together, uh, the chemistry between the two of you, I mean, it's evident as I'm watching it, you know, back on the film. Would you two say that it was pretty much immediate? Yeah. 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 Run, out, run out of the gate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Run we we never even talked. Just came in no. natural. It came in natural, man. I mean, we were going out there and did it. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. What do you think it was that made you guys connect so early in the ring? Uh, you got this chemistry, man. I, I, well, he yeah. knows how to wrestle. He knows how to work. <laughs> you know, it's simple. Well, we, I, you know, we both wanted it to work, you know, because the choices of us working with somebody else wasn't real good. You know, <laughs> there weren't a lot of choices. So uh, <laughs> yeah. either we're going to learn to work with each other or be wrestling King Kong Bundy and uh, – <laughs> and there's no telling who else, and God knows I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Well, it was it was a good thing that things ended up the way that they did because I mean, you guys just had some absolutely iconic moments here, um, and of course, you know, let's get to the big anniversary here. It's early on in your rivalry. It's actually right at the start of your rivalry. It's 40 years ago yesterday, as I said, as we're recording this on November 6, 1983. The two of you met in the Omni with the TV title on the line, and I have the final moments of that match. We'll watch. We'll watch it back real quick. I will have to narrate for our listening audience because there's no commentary. Let's check it out. All right, so Jake has Get got Ronnie me. down. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was saying. That's what I was, I was trying saying. to. I was trying to help him up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ronnie, you're down, but rumor has it that even when you were down, Jake was Jake could tell when you were about to make a comeback. Is that true? Yeah, damn right. His nipples would get hard. <laughs> <laughs> Jake hits him oh, with the vertical no. suplex. Oh, it hurts me today. You love watching. <laughs> uh oh, yeah. those nipples are getting hard. He's shaking that yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jake shoots him off to the ropes. Ooh, catches a boot from Ronnie. Here they go. Oh boy, those hands of stone being put to work. <laughs> Jake takes a bump. Ronnie's going for the cover. Well, Jake gets out of it. Ooh. What was that, like a palm to the face? Back scratch? Fingers to the eyes. So Ronnie's got Jake in the corner, and he's working him over. But uh, he may have picked the wrong corner, because I see Paul Ellering down there. Well, Paul's not going to get in there. <laughs> oh, Jake, Jake grabs some kind of a gimmick, and he's got Ronnie on his ass after the ref distraction. 
I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Here we go. He's hooked. DDT. <laughs> there it is. The three count in the Omni in front of a Red Hawk crowd. Ellering's in there celebrating. man it was great a short clip but i mean we can tell right away that you guys just work really really well together yeah it was a lot of fun oh, man okay, i wish it would have been like that every night <laughs> yeah it was actually so easy it really was you, you guys had a really long program together while you were there. I mean, you, you guys were together from essentially September until I want to say it was July the next year. Um, so you plus, guys uh, worked a while. Plus, we were we were going up north, remember? Yeah. We were wrestling in Ohio, Michigan. We were going all over Michigan. There were some big crowds in Michigan. Yep. Now, here down south, the Omni is referred to by a lot of wrestlers as the MSG of the South. Uh, did, would you guys say that you viewed it in that light? Uh, it was good to be there. By the time we got to the Omni, the Omni had seen a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of shit like what? Like Buzz, like Buzz Sawyer. And ah, okay. Tommy Rich and... Uh, some of their antics kind of went a bit too far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we uh, we decided to have a strap match, and uh, that kind of brought the people back to reality. They believed after that because, trust me, we believed too because <laughs> we cut the shit out of each other. Oh, I had welts all around my body, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I was cut. In the back and the ribs and the face and everything else, man. There were people at ringside that was going, ah, my God. They were moving. They couldn't believe it. They were going to get a different seat. People are getting splashed with blood at ringside. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now, when you guys are using a strap, is it is it like a weightlifter strap? Or what is it, what are you guys using in this match? No, a long leather strap. My goodness. About, about two inches wide. Oh man, like I bet belt, that hurt. Like a belt. And when it wrapped around you, oh man. Oh my God. Talk God about stitching. It, it just cuts you. Every time it hits it hit you with it, you get cut. You just grit your teeth, you know. Yeah. But it was so much damn fun, man. You enjoyed doing it. I did. Now I, did. I know Ronnie did. <laughs> <laughs> now is this a one-time thing the strap match or were you guys doing this in multiple places around fuck no we weren't doing it in multiple places <laughs> <laughs> once was enough I, I would have though i would have i'd like to have taken that on my tour up north <laughs> no. we never got a chance to do it just capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital.
What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Now, like the blood yeah. in your matches is really kind of, I mean, we're calling this episode blood sport because of uh, how notoriously you guys were bleeding uh, anytime you guys would get into these brawls. There's great pictures of you two in magazines and elsewhere where it's just both of you just faces covered in blood after these matches. Um, how much would you say that the blood added to what you guys were doing in the ring? Uh, it was just part of it, man. Just yeah. part of it. Well, sometimes you hit butt too hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We didn't have to cut much. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Usually it was a headbutt yeah. or a forearm or an elbow. But it, fuck, it was all right, man. You got to make it look good. Got to. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it was real, which I'm sure made it look good. My My psychology was. People come to see a fight, right? Mm-hmm. You right. will agree? Well, you got to make them believe. If, if you're walking around dancing like an old douchebag in the ring, and that, you know, people are not going to get with, with the match. But when somebody, when they see a contest, and they say, oh, my God, wow, wow, they get with it. That's the first thing you know. You got the crowd, you know, because of, they're believing it. You know, if you go out there and just, I've seen guys, my God, it was embarrassing. I, I wrestled some guys that I was actually embarrassing. You know, I just ate them up. Yeah. You know, That's all you do. Chew yeah, them up and spit them out. Well, you know, the guy, the guy would punch you in the belly and he wouldn't hardly touch you. You know, well, then you show him how to, how to do it the right way. <laughs> Fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> Knock the wind out of him. <laughs> I'd get him in that sugar, man, and I'd twist their nipple. I'd stick my, my finger up their nose and I'd put it in their mouth, and then I'd pull their hair <laughs> onto their armpit. <laughs> I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you didn't have to do that shit with Jake. <laughs> I didn't, uh, have, didn't have to. I, I, didn't have, I didn't have to do that with Jake. Hell, I was fighting for my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was one for one. Boom, boom. <laughs> hey, I enjoyed that. You know, that was yeah. me. That was the. You're one of the top guys that I ever worked with. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Definitely, you are for me. I, I swear. Ooh. I mean, and there's a lot of good guys. Yeah. A lot of people say, oh, "Who's the best?" There's a lot. A lot. You can't tell who's the best. First of all, no. In, a, in no. any sport, there's so many that are so good and pretty cool. You might be just a little less than the other guy, and but my God, you know, it's what you produce in the ring. That's the way I always looked at it. You know. Yeah, it's what you do in the ring, man. 
you guys made magic, that's for sure. And another huge thing that happened this in this rivalry, which I'm excited to talk to you guys about, is um, there's a storyline where Jake is refusing to put the title on the line in your matches. And in order for you to get an actual title shot, Ronnie, you had to take a mortgage out on your house to come up with $10,000 to pay for a rematch. Um, what do you remember about this angle? Maybe Jake remembers. you got a better memory than I got. I remember yeah, the that, deal. Was, the deal was uh, for him to get a title shot, he's going to have to give me ten grand. <laughs> and he went out there and said, "Hell, I haven't got ten grand. <laughs> we don't care." <laughs> so he he mortgaged his house to get it, and the fans bought it too. Man, they made that just seemed to make it more real for them. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, and they really wanted Ronnie to kick my ass in. Everything was on the line. <laughs> I remember that. I didn't remember how it started, but I remember that. That, that $10,000. Yeah. yeah. Whose ID was that? Yeah, it must have been, been mine. Your damn sure wasn't Oli's. <laughs> damn sure wasn't Oli's. <laughs> that was, was going to be my next question. I know that I know that Oli was there briefly uh, while the two of you were there, but he would actually wind up quitting or being dismissed. I can't remember which it was. No, he he stayed on us the whole time I was there. Oh, okay. For whatever for whatever reason, I thought he quit. But uh, no, I, he didn't. He just didn't have any power. I had all the power. Gotcha. Okay. So which made him which made him want to quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, what so I I am gonna that? go out. Oh, this is uh this would have happened in early 1984. This angle. Yeah. So, Jake, by then oh, you had okay. taken over helping with the booking? Yeah, I was the booker. Um, and this is a question that comes up a lot, so I'll ask the opinion of both of you now. Is it better uh, for a champion to be a heel like Jake was with the babyface chasing, or is it better to have a babyface champion with the heels trying to knock him off the mountaintop? Ronnie, what do you think? Uh, I, I didn't like to be a, a babyface, actually. I didn't. Oh, really? Well, I done it no, because he, no, he didn't. once you, I was a heel for a long time, and you know, believe it or not, if you get over as a heel, you make a hell of a baby face later, because eventually oh, yeah. people start cheering for you, you know. And I hated it, you know. <laughs> and I'm doing I'm doing all kinds of stuff, and you know they're liking it. And uh, two years before, they were booing the hell out of me, you know. So I didn't have. I look at it this way. I wrestle, heel, baby face, I didn't matter. When I was a baby face, I'd poke your eyes, I'd slap your hair, I'd, anything. I'd kick you in the balls, I'd, you know, whatever. And, but people cheer. That was the funny part. That's you know, the cheer. truth, too, though. If you, if you go out there and you do it as a heel, you got to do it as a baby face. Yeah, exactly. You got to keep them the same style. You know, baby yeah, face. you don't change anything. No. You're right. So, so Ronnie, when you became a baby face, you were still hitting people in the balls and twisting oh, nipples yeah. and shit like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd jump with both feet. Then I'd do the stomp. I'd stomp the hell out of them. And I, I just, I was trying to outheal the heels. <laughs> <laughs> he just gave you a severe ass whipping is what he gave you. <laughs> well... If anybody could get uh, some sympathy on Jake as a as a red hot heel in this territory, I think it was you with the the ass whoopings you two were giving each other. 
Um, so you guys said there wasn't a lot of, uh, communicating before the match. So like Jake, Jake, did you know going into this rivalry? Like, okay, Ronnie has a, has a reputation for being a little bit snug. I'm just going to be snug right back. Or how did that go? Uh, There was no, there was no talk about that. I mean, fuck, I just, I like being snug. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't, well, most of the time we didn't knock each other's teeth out. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but chops and stuff, we laid that shit in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had, your chest was red for a couple of days. Purple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny parts, there was some guys that didn't want to be chopped. Oh, yeah, yeah I know. And uh, I know a lot of them, they didn't want anywhere near our match. I don't know if I should tell the story, but tell it. I think I will anyway. There was a guy, big guy, muscle, much bigger than me, much taller. Went to Jim Crockett, told him that I was hurting him and he didn't want to wrestle me. This is a, yeah, Crockett called me into his office and he says, uh, so-and-so, just, you're hurting him. He don't want to wrestle you. Yeah, that actually happened. I believe it. <laughs> Who was it? Who was it? Lex Luger. I knew it. Oh my God. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. What a physique, you know, and I'm going, geez. And I'd done never wrestle them again. Wow. <laughs> and I said I said to myself, my God, you know. You know, I give him credit, though. Ric Flair never complained. And I split this chin, I mean, his, his skin, you know, many times in his chest he was bleeding. Yeah. And he jokes about it. He said he had Neosporin, you know, put on it every night. <laughs> <laughs> and you never complain. You know, no. you never complain. Not one no. time. Well, it's fun. Okay, guys, let's take a minute to discuss our partner and their product, which has truly reshaped my life, AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I used to start every day taking a bunch of multivitamins, or worse, mixing a healthy shake. The vitamins were expensive and annoying, and to get the shake right, you've got to go shopping, and you've got to add all the ingredients, you've got to clean the blender, and take up a bunch of your valuable time. Well, nearly a year ago, I began drinking AG1 every day because I was fed up with my morning routine and it has been a true game changer. Now, I have a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every day. I wanted more energy. I wanted to make sure my immune system was well supported, especially with my daughter in daycare bringing home germs every day. I wanted better gut health and I wanted a simple solution to incorporate into my daily routine that I enjoyed the taste of. AG1 checked every single box. Here's the best part for me. It's easy. My schedule is full pretty much every day, and AG1 made life easy for me by providing 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients by simply mixing one small scoop with water. That's it. I drink it, and I'm done. It's an easy micro habit that delivers macro results. I know what your next question must be. How much does it cost? How about less than $3 a day? Why don't you break that habit of going to Starbucks or the gas station every single day for an unhealthy breakfast or some expensive specialty coffee? 
Spend less money and get a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients instead with AG1. Now that's a win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com snake. That's drinkag1.com forward slash snake, S-N-A-K-E. Check it out. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The, the beatings were apparently severe enough that uh, Jake's knew, I believe she was just your girlfriend at the time. Cheryl was actually, uh, yeah. she, Jake was getting some sympathy from her about it. And she was not That's smart. Strap match. <laughs> she was not smart to the business at the time. Jake, I'll let you go ahead and fire off with the story. Yeah, she was, she helped me out of the Omni to the car and I'm selling it. <laughs> so she comes and opens a door for me and puts me in the car and I see Ronnie coming out. <laughs> and now all I, all I can see of her is her belly button on the other side of the car. And I'm like, what the hell is she doing? And I thought, well, she must have lost her keys or something. Well, no, she had her keys because she opened the damn door. So I got out of the car to see what the fuck she was doing. And she had a pistol out. And she was <laughs> aiming at Ronnie. <laughs> she was shoot his ass. Well, I'm glad I didn't know that. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, she sure was. She had a 38, and she was going to bust a couple of caps off at him. My God. That was the night I smartened her up. <laughs> well, you were too convincing. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, that could have that, uh, that could have ended the program in a hurry if if Ronnie had no gotten shit. shot. <laughs> Now, uh, Ronnie, I mean, you know, you were saying that you were this real vicious heel. And, I, you know, we always hear the story about Ole Anderson back in the day getting stabbed. Uh, we, we recently talked on the podcast about somebody actually taking a shot at Jake in the Sportatorium in yeah. Dallas once. Uh, did you ever have any encounters with fans trying to pull a knife on you or try any shit with you? Oh, I never yeah. had anybody pull a, a knife, but I uh, had them come in the ring. Uh, they didn't stay there very long. <laughs> I, <loved it. laughs> I was I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I forgot what the, the, the wrestler's name. For Bill Watts, he was the champion. Uh, nice guy. Um, and I got him tied up. I got him tied up in the ropes, and I'm just beating the hell out of him. And all of a sudden, I see this guy slide under the under the bottom rope, slid in the ring you know, on his fork. And when he raised up and I looked, he was tall. His belt buckle was high, high level with me. I swear to oh, God. no. He had a green shirt. Never forgot. I got, before he could do anything, man, I got behind him. I took him down. And then I stayed behind him. And I tried to get his eyes and his mouth. And I was punching him on the side of the head. And the cops finally got him out of the ring. You know, and he was bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> the cops have to, they 
and we liked it. We didn't want to pull him out of the ring, but if we get paid to do it, you know, for security. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he had a bad night. <laughs> and all the yeah, those cops, huh? Those cops in Louisiana sometimes they just hold them still for oh, you, yeah. so you can really get in on. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds oh. like the cops might have saved that guy's ass. Oh, yeah. Not really. <laughs> I remember another occasion. There was this guy. Yeah, he's probably in early 20s. Tall guy. <laughs> I got thrown out of the ring. And uh, he was sitting at ringside. And he, he pushed me with his foot. It didn't hurt me, but it was, you know, shoved me in, in, in the ribs. So I, I'm on the floor. I turn around, I look, and I see him, and I was going to drill him in his seat, but I, I rolled back into the ring. <laughs> On, after the match was over, there's an aisle to go to my dressing room. Well, I wasn't looking. I just had my head down kind of, and I'm walking towards the dressing room. All of a sudden, I see this guy standing there. He's like this, and he says, go around. And I said, your mother is a whore. And he went, <laughs> headbutted him on the nose and down. I walked to the dressing room. <laughs> I don't know if you can get away with doing something like that nowadays in wrestling, Ronnie. Oh, I think that's yeah. a bygone well, era. Probably not. <laughs> but get in the ring, you can. <laughs> Well, uh, through all this, I know that the two of you began to form a friendship, obviously, and Jake uh, would even ride on your private plane at times. Would these plane rides have happened during this time or during the WWF run no, together? WWF. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, rumor has it that you would sometimes find some interesting places to land that plane, Ronnie. Can you tell us about it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, didn't didn't you land one? Didn't you land one in DeRitter, Louisiana? Uh, it, it was in Louisiana. Yeah. 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 Landed on the highway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I went to another place. Can't remember. Bill Watts. I told, I told Watts, I said, don't book me if there's no airport because I didn't have a car. You know, I just bought my, my, my airplane. And I stayed in Baton Rouge. That's where we lived in Baton Rouge. <laughs> and I remember there was a, uh, what was his name? He was a Japanese young guy. He'd just been in the state a short period of time. And he needed to go to Lafayette because I was in Lafayette. So he asked me for a ride to Lafayette. And so, okay. Well, it was a short hop from uh, Baton Rouge to, to Lafayette. So he gets in the plane, and there was another guy. I think it was three of us, and a short short trip. So I figured, well, I'm going to play on the way there. So I was flying over the fields real low. I was buzzing houses. <laughs> and every time I did something, I'd look at him, and I says, kamikaze, kamikaze. <laughs> He's looking up here. <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> he never flew me again. <laughs> I now, did all kinds of stuff. Do you uh, do you still fly at all, Ronnie? Oh no, no. Well, I flew cargo for thirteen years after I retired. Yeah, I got a job, man. Perfect job, flying freight. Just two of us in a cockpit. You know, 
big, we were flying a lot of automobile parts, you know, all kinds of freight. It was on demand, yeah, which was good. It was not a routine. You didn't, wasn't boring because you, you never knew where you were going. They called you at one o'clock in the morning and you're going to Seattle, Washington, or you're going to Detroit, or you're going. Oh. But it was very good. And you like doing that? <laughs> you like getting a call at one in the morning and off to a new city? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you like to do something, having a job that you love, and I thought about it many times. If I would have started flying before I wrestled, I would have never wrestled. Wow. I yeah, and I've had a lot of guys say, oh, you're going to get tired of it. Man, I'll tell you what, I would have done another 13 years <laughs> if I could have. You know, that was the best time. You know? Well, uh, look, before I let you guys go, I did. I feel like I'd be missing out if I didn't ask this question. Um, you know, really, the uh, the rivalry between the two of you kind of comes to an end by June. Uh, June 17th, 1984, the, uh, Jake will win the title back, but it was immediately vacated because he used a foreign object to win the match. Uh, Jake, I know you were helping to book at the time. Do you remember where the story was going before you left the territory? I can't remember now, man. All I remember is uh, we did a TV and Vince McMahon showed up. Mm -hmm. That was the end. That's right. That is uh, Black Saturday, which took place on July 1st, 1984. I was gone then. I wasn't there that day. Yeah, I walked I out. Yeah, because I remember I went to uh, Montreal that summer. I went up there for the summer. My, my parents live up there. Yeah. Now, I know ultimately you would stay uh, with the with the territory or, or you'd, you'd end up in, in JCP. What did you think about uh, Vince McMahon coming in there and, and taking picking up the time slot? I know Jake was he was done the moment that it happened and he wound up going yeah. to WCCW. Yeah, well, like I say, I wasn't there. I didn't even know till later. You know, I had left. I don't know. That's, to me, that was, uh, <laughs> everybody thought, well, business is gone. <laughs> You're going to destroy it. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe not. I, I, I think Vince was a genius, man. You know, I, I think he was. How many guys could have done that? Promoters, they, they were set in their old, their old ways. Nobody they didn't want to change, and uh, you know, uh, I, I, I think when his, his dad passed, I heard that financially they weren't too, too, uh, too good about it. You know, they owe money or something like that, and he came in and he had an idea: transform wrestling as a what, just a show. You know, just to, which, which it was. Well, we, we, we thought he was going to kill the business. You know, and it was total opposite. <laughs> a lot of total opposite. A lot of people did, yeah. <laughs> it's right the opposite. But, but I, I, you know, when I went up there to wrestle, uh, I was I was way out of place for me. You know. I kept saying, you know, I can't sing, I can't dance, and I can't rock and roll. <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I didn't fit very well there, you know. I had a good time, the little, I think I lasted a year and a half or two, a couple of years, I think. Were you, were you there when I went to New York? Yeah. 
Yep. You would have come in in, in 1988, and Jake had already established himself there for a couple of years. Now, Jake, whenever Ronnie won that uh, that NWA World Championship, did you see it happen? I mean, like this has got to be kind of surreal for you to see your old buddy uh, get this giant honor down there. No, I heard about it, and I was just overjoyed. Couldn't believe they actually did it, but they did it. Yeah. And uh, I was I was proud. I'm proud to know Ronnie. Well, thank you. Know, you. And, uh, any anything that he does, I'm all for it, man. But I'll tell you what. You know, they they screw me. I didn't care. I, I never did care much about, you know, uh, what happened is when I won the belt, nobody has been told. All the boys were told to stay after, you know, till the end. They, we hadn't told anybody. You know, I think it was Crockett. Crockett and uh, what's his name, man? The big fat guy. <laughs> yeah. Which one? <laughs> uh, well, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty. Yeah, well, Dusty, and it was like four of us that knew. And it was a secret till 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 it happened. And, uh, but uh, I think Dusty wasn't for it. He went along because, I guess, I think Flair pushed it, you know, and Crockett. And... Uh, so I didn't defend the title, first of all. For two months, I had it, didn't defend the title. Uh, that's when uh, I worked with Lex Luger, and that was the last match him and I ever had. He didn't want to work with you anymore. <laughs> I guess he complained and cried. And, uh, you, you know, when I lost, when, when I dropped the belt, to Flair back in two months later or whatever it was, uh, they just never had a return. Remember the old days? There was always a return match when you oh when you yeah one oh, return God, all yeah. around rounds. You know yeah. that's how they made money. You know you'd have two or three yeah. matches, drop well, try to get it back, and eventually you probably don't. So the champion goes on. I never had it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, fuck. So one day. Uh, I'm working in Baltimore, Maryland. And Dusty, yeah. Dusty wants to get knocked out by me. He wants to turn me heel. And I said, wow, perfect, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I run to the ring, get in the ring, and the referee is doing something, raising his hand or something, and I'm spinning, spinning around, and I knock him out, and he's laying there. And he sold the hell out of it. He laid there for, you know, a good – three or four or five minutes, you know, laying on his back. And uh, so the idea is he's going to give me uh, Perez as a partner. Perez as a partner. And uh, what's the guy that was in Texas that died? He was a kind of, he was in that crash in, uh, in Florida. He was a manager, oh, a manager. Gary Hart. Gary Hart, Gary Hart. He was going to, yeah, he's going yeah. to manage, you know, Perez and I. So, ha, I know, man, exactly what's going to happen. See, Dusty didn't want a lot of guys, certain guys not to get over too far, you know, too much. When you mm. when you got over too much, you know, that was uh, time to cut it off, you know. <laughs> anyway. And uh, 
So when I knocked him out, the crowd cheered. 80% of the crowd cheered. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it did, because I was over in Baltimore. Oh, I was over like hell in Baltimore. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, you so were. We get to the TV. We go to the TV, and uh, I didn't go. That's when I walked out after I'd done wow. that. So he went, on, he went on TV, and he said that he beat me up in an alley. <laughs> didn't have a video of it either. <laughs> yeah. He beat me. I was gone. Goodbye. On to the WWF uh, where you joined Jake. And then ultimately, as you said, you know, uh, you'd wind down your career and and wind up flying a cargo plane uh, and and doing something else that you were really passionate about. And uh, guys, I I, want to thank you both so much for reliving, you know, the 40th anniversary of this incredible rivalry. Before I let you guys go here at the end of the show, one last question. What is uh, I'll start with Jake. 40 years later, Jake, what's the main thing about working together that stands out for you? Forty years later, I'm still getting a rush just from talking to him, <laughs> you know. And uh, forty years later, I still wish the fuck we could do one more match. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm afraid it's only going to be a wish. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the body couldn't take it, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too, but boy, I tell you. Oh, I'd give anything to have one more good match with well, Ronnie. You know what? When I had that match with you, I was 38 years old. You know. I know. 40 wow. years, man. 40 years. That's unbelievable. You know. I never forgot that match, but I never never thought it was that long, that far back. You know. That's going back a Damn. long way. And you look good, man. You look, well, good. You look great, brother. I, you look I'm pretty, great. I'm pretty healthy. I just got a lot of wrinkle, and <laughs> you look like a sharpay. You look in the mirror in the morning. The best thing to do to start your day is just laugh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Probably. Take care, Ronnie. You guys, love you guys. Okay, guys, if you're looking to get your product or service in front of that 25 to 54-year-old male demographic, you've got to go to AdvertiseWithSnake.com. Jake is back on AEW TV. He's got that Hall of Fame legacy, and you can get him to put over your stuff to the exact audience that you're targeting. If you need proof that it works, just go and listen to our show. We are always advertising for the same businesses because they know that what we do works. We bring them results. So head over to AdvertiseWithSnake.com and make Jake Roberts your tag team partner today. JakeTheSnakeShop.com is your destination for rare signed collectibles straight from Jake himself. Not sure if you guys have seen it, but there is now a dual autograph available on Jake's site. Right now, you can get an 8x10 signed by both him and Cheryl Roberts. She was involved in that angle with Rick Rude 35 years ago. So there's never been a better time for you to get your hands on this authentic autograph from wrestling's greatest power couple. Go right now to jakethesnakeshop.com and add a new centerpiece to your wrestling collection. Go over to cameo.com forward slash jakesnake for a personal message from the Hall of Famer himself. Here's a review from Brittany. Jake went above and beyond for a cameo I got from my wife on our anniversary. I was amazed by his sincerity. The cameo seemed meaningful and made my wife tear up. Thank you, Jake. I'd give you more stars if I could. 
Jake is a true legend of professional wrestling. And seriously, you are missing out if you don't at least try his cameo out. Again, that's cameo.com slash Jake Snake. Order yours right now. If you're looking for stylish, vintage-style merch, we've got you covered over at boxofgimmicks.com on the Snake Pit page. Not only do we have great, cool-looking clothes for you to wear around in your everyday life, we've also got stuff you can lounge around in. If you're watching us right now on YouTube, you can see we've got some awesome-looking shorts on the screen. The first one here is a throwback to WrestleFest, which is a game we all played and loved at the arcade. And now we're switching it up to some awesome Jake Ice Cream Bar shorts. I'm a huge fan of 80s and 90s nostalgia, and everything we do on our page is a tribute to that era of wrestling and style. Just go and see it for yourself, and I'm sure you're going to find something you like there. Again, that's the Snake Pit page at boxofgimmicks.com. Check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Snake Pit Pod for short clips from our show, some highlights, and some exclusive content. We also do giveaways on there sometimes, and we're going to continue to do those. And all you have to do to be eligible is get over there and get subscribed. Hit the notifications bell there if you'd like to. And you are in for all future giveaways. Again, that's youtube.com forward slash at Snake Pit Pod. Also, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please like, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on all platforms. That helps Jake and I out a bunch. And remember, you can get the Snake Pit and all the other shows in our network early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. AFS has got the Hacksaw Hour with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and myself. Tuesdays with the Taskmaster with Kevin Sullivan and Paul Bromwell. And we recently added Lex Express with Lex Luger and the podfather himself, Conrad Thompson. Amazing content and available exclusively at adfreeshows.com. If you're not a member, seriously, you are missing out. Catch Jake on X at Jake Snake DDT on Instagram at Jake the Snake DDT and on Facebook at Real Jake the Snake. You can follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on X and you can follow the podcast at Snake Pit Pod on all social media platforms. Gosh, what a huge, huge honor to welcome Ronnie Garvin onto the program today, especially when we're celebrating such a massive anniversary. We'll have him back on the program sometime and we'll see you guys next week right here on the Snake Pit.